Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we review our favorite RPGs, collectible card games, MMOs, video games, PC games, and bring up interesting topics and things that we'd like to share with everyone. Sit back and enjoy the show. This is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jim here. This week, because we attended Tucson Comic Con this year, we had a great weekend, but we weren't able to get any gaming on, so we decided to go ahead and to share some of the panels that we got to enjoy. So this panel is going to be the writing workshop. It's been pretty much a workshop that was really good for all up-and-coming writers of any genre, and it had a great deal of whether you should self-publish or go through an actual publisher. So go ahead and enjoy. And by the way, after the panel, check out the interview ahead because I have two great ladies that I've just gotten a chance to read some of their books and I'm going to be sharing more of their work with you guys in the future. Alright guys, like always, thank you for listening. Okay, this is Bill the Chief. Can you hear me? Is this working at all? It is, okay. I can't always tell from this. So, um, when it comes to building costumes, obviously it's, it's uh, for most all of us, it's uh, kind of a hobby, it's an afterthought, it's something we do with disposable income, and when times are tight, you don't have a lot of income, so you have to get creative. Um, you know, when I say cheap, it's kind of a relative term. Uh, if you came and said, hey, could you commission a Predator costume, um, you know, you'd be looking at somewhere around three or $4,000. If you bought all the stuff and did it yourself, you might be looking at like six to $800, depending on where you source your parts and what you build. So, uh, I try to keep things as cheap as possible. I do a lot of shopping at Goodwills. Uh, Goodwill on half price day is great. You find all kinds of stuff, savers, thrift stores. I mean, that's probably something everybody here has, has tried, checked out, looked at. Um, a trick that I find is stop in in the middle of the week because uh, that's usually when the good stuff gets put out because a lot of times it'll disappear by half price day. So if you happen to have a job where you're driving or you're out and about or there's one close to work, Pop in at lunchtime, see what they got, because you never know. You're, and uh, don't always hit the Goodwills, hit everything. Any thrift store, flea markets, all that kind of stuff. Um, when I do my Predator costumes, all of the skulls on that costume are real. So, and I found those at a place called Peddler's Pass up in Prescott. I've got a whole box full of dead animals. So, you know, if it was anybody other than someone in a costume, it might be weird, but they're for me, promise. Let me fire up some pictures here and see what I got. So. This was Amazing Arizona Comic Con a while back, so that was fun. Okay, this is my lawgiver from my Judge costume. So uh, if you're familiar with Dread, Judge Dread, all that kind of stuff, this was from the 2012 movie. Uh, this is actually a gun called, a, I think Tommy makes this one, it's called a Hammerhead. 
Found it for 99 cents. Uh, magazine case down here at the bottom, uh, that's made out of Lexan. I cut that out of, uh, I think it was eight inch thick. I got that for like six bucks at uh, Home Depot. Uh, you just gotta go look in the back to find it. It's in the, in the building section. But uh, I think I got a picture. Here we go. So here's what it looked like before I started. It had a little, uh, underneath the barrel, it uh, looked like a little flashlight laser sight kind of thing. And I ended up taking that off. And then you can see all of the pieces that I cut out to make it. There it is with them on there. And I have a glove on. Uh, that gun is actually kind of large. And since I'm big and wearing gloves, it works out quite well. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your game director at Tucson Comic Con, here to bring you the announcements for the Copper Gaming Room upstairs on the hour. Once you're done shopping downstairs, we invite you to entertain yourselves with our various events and games. The Copper Gaming Room at this hour is presenting, from Hat Games, Warhammer 40,000, the game of science fiction dark futures in miniature form. We also present Hero Clicks. Not only are they running tournaments today, but they are there to show you this wonderful game. Aliens vs. Predators, still running demos. If you like to run around dark hallways and get hunted by horrific aliens, now's the time. Netrunner, for all of your cyberpunk sci-fi fans. Earl, Master of All, is currently still looking for a few good people to operate his 13th age or Ashen Stars role-playing game. AEG is still there, right as you enter the Copper Ballroom, demoing to you the finest products that they've made, including Doomtown. And where else in this con can you get a demo from a man with an elaborate, fine mustache? Like Rohan. Isle Games, still going on. Come and join them for their super demo. Ingress. If you've been on your phone and you have it, you have it here. Check upstairs for information. The booth is right inside the door. Your mission is awaiting. Heroes and Villains still has free Pokemon trials. Get into the game, get your family into the game. Gotta catch them all. And at 1.30, Heroes and Villains is running the Magic Draft. Do the sign-ups at 1.30, Magic Draft. All in the Copper Ballroom upstairs. We'll see you then. Uh, At least he got the marbles out of his mouth. It sounded like he was trying to deep throat the mic yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, back to this. You can see the, uh, the clear box that I made. That's just uh, the Lexan. I cut it to match around the bottom. And then it just kind of hooks up over the edges. I used a product called 527. Beacon makes it. Uh, you can find it at Walmart, stuff like that. It's uh, Beacon 527. It's a white tube, about yay big. Um, really good adhesive. It sets up relatively quick and holds extremely well. Uh, you can break it. I did break it, actually, on uh, Friday. And then put it back together Friday night. So I can actually go pick it back up and be back out with it Sunday, today, uh, should I go put the dirt back on. But, uh, you know, this one doesn't have a shirt, and I'm kind of enjoying it, so I think I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> okay, coat of paint. When you do your paint, you know, you get your base coat down. Obviously, the gun's black, so here it is in a base coat of black. I use satin black because uh, I want just a little bit of sheen on it, but I don't want it shiny. Uh, that way, it looks more like metal. Uh, the barrel on there, see, the front of the gun was missing, so I ended up having to replace the front of the gun. That barrel is made out of a uh, half-inch PVC connector. 
and then there it is with some paint and some weathering on it. So um, I actually just ended up using a, a silver sharpie on the barrel and went around and around and around. And if you keep the lines straight as you go around laying the ink down on it, uh, it actually looks like spun metal. So you get kind of a, a neat effect with that. All of the rest of the scuffing that's along the top and the sides, um, down the magazine, that was you take a silver sharpie, you just kind of put a line on it, and you immediately start rubbing it. And it smears it around and makes it look kind of like it's a, a smudge or a bash on metal as opposed to just a line of sharpie. Now, as far as the other, uh, there's a product called Inca Gold. It comes in a little round compact. Joanne has it. It's like six bucks for a, a pack of the stuff. And they have a whole bunch of different colors. They've got coppers, gold, silvers, uh, got reds, blues. Uh, it's kind of like paste. And what you do is you rub a little on your finger, and then wherever you want the smudge, you just that's where you put the smudge. So like, okay, it comes in and out of the holster here, so it should be smudged here. Okay, it looks like it got dropped here, so let's put this crease here. Real quick, easy way to weather stuff up. And it looks good because it actually, you know, it looks like you rubbed paint off of it as opposed to rubbing paint onto it, but, you know, it works out that way. Uh, this is my elbows and shins on the judge costume. Now, that's actually quite a layup to get that done. Um, those are hockey pads, and then the tops, when I make my predator armor, I use the hockey pads, but I cut the kneecaps off because they're going on the calves. So this is an extra pair of knees that I had. Ended up using them to make elbows. Um, that's, cra that's craft foam, so if you were here previously watching the guys with the foam, this is just another use of the foam. It's uh, laid down with contact cement. Uh, I made a paper template first to get the perimeter, and then I put some thick pieces down in the middle, so there were actually three or four pieces, and then I came back with an X-Acto knife, and I cut grooves, a V-groove, uh, down the middle of the wide pieces to make it look like there were more in there. So I get the same look. So there's what it looks like with just the foam on the pieces. Now, plastic dip, they were talking about that. It's great stuff. Just make sure you're outside in a well-ventilated area and do not inhale this crap, because it will coat your lungs. So it's, it's a bad day if you do that. Um, but if you're outside, well-ventilated, you should be fine. So. There's instructions on the can, that's why. Uh, laid down a coat of gold metallic on top of it. And then this is called a, uh, uh, I use this as a color wash. And I've got some more pictures of it that will pop up in a little bit. Basically that paint cap there, uh, I take it off the paint, fill it up with water. Then I spray paint on the top of the water. And then I'll pour it out on what I want to weather. So it leaves these swirl marks and this, this darkening effect. And it gets down in the crevices, makes it dark and dirty down in there. Kind of gives it more depth when you look at it. And depending on how much you do, see, there's the ink of gold I was talking about. I don't know why it's upside down. So ink of gold, that's the little compact that it comes in. So after I did the uh, color wash, um, I wanted to bring the high spots back up. So I took gold and I rubbed it on there uh, to re-highlight the parts that would be you know, getting wiped off or getting cleaned, uh, leaving the dirty parts down in the crevices. Uh, same point on the, uh, on the shins and the knees there. And then what I did after, I think I have a picture of the cuts, but anyway, uh, I came back after I got all of that done and I took black spray paint and you get about a foot away and you do a dust coat. So you spray it so that the dust of the paint gets on there. It adheres and it mutes everything back down. So it's like a three part process to get to there. Um, but they look like they're beautifully weathered, they're nice and patinaed, and they actually came out really good, and it's just, you know, it's just tricks with paint. So basically, you're airbrushing with a rattle can is kind of what it comes down to. 
These are a couple of cleanups that I made. I'm on the, uh, the right, obviously. The uh, not quite so tall guys marking down there. Um, when I was doing these, the Klingon costumes, you'll see some running around, they're made out of vinyl, they're very heavy, they're expensive, they're difficult to make. Uh, one of the things that you're going to learn doing costuming, learn to sew. Go, go to Walmart, there's a Singer 5300, it's a yellow machine, it's full digital, you punch in whatever kind of stitch you want, it does all the adjustments for you, it's mostly automatic, read the book, and you can stick two pieces of material together and turn it into something. Um, sewing is like your best friend. Um, it was kind of funny because when I was not too far out of high school, I did a lot of automotive work. Had a really crazy looking car. I met a guy um, who was trying to start an art car club. And I was over at his house. He has this pile of fabric that's about five feet tall, an old sewing machine. He says, uh, You know, if you ever learn to do it, and this guy looked like an old biker. He was a former mayor of Jerome, Mike Brown, I think was his name. And I said, If you ever learn to do anything, learn to sew. I'm like, okay. Wasn't sure why he was telling me that, and then later he told me it's because he makes costumes for strippers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I make costumes, so just not for strippers. <laughs> uh, but what those were made out of is the material, instead of going for vinyl, we live in hot weather, I was trying to make something cool, so the material on the tunics there is actually uh, awning material, so the same stuff that they use to make awnings. And I found this at Sass Fabrics, it's up in Metro Phoenix, there's three stores up there, I don't know if there's one like that down here. Yeah. Uh, but if you ever get a chance to go, any kind of fabric you can possibly imagine. Stuff that you haven't seen in 20, 30 years, they got it on the shelf, so they'll find it. Um, these belts aren't actually belts. They're just, uh, it's vinyl, and I sewed it into the shape of a belt, and it's actually stitched on. So what happens is these open from the back with Velcro. Uh, the collar rings up here on the top are actually made out of bent aluminum. To get that shape for the shoulders, I just took the aluminum, I wrapped it around a paint can, one gallon paint can to get that shape. Uh, then everything is held in with rivets, so it's almost kind of like a tent over the shoulders is how it sits. Everything hangs below it, and then uh, all of the lines, everything else you see, is uh, ribbon. So it's almost like grip tape. I think I got a picture of that stuff. There it is right there. So it's got a little bit of sparkle. So what's kind of neat is when you wear these costumes, they kind of glint and sparkle, and they actually look pretty cool. Um, again, this is something I found at SAS. They've got this wide... Uh, studded type uh, ribbon material, that's what I used to make the sashes. This stuff you can find at Walmart, it's uh, bling on a roll, I think they call it. They have black, red, uh, and silver. So it's good for trim work. Uh, my wife's lower left there, you can see my wife's actually was making a dress. I found that fabric at SAS and uh, ended up making a skirt and then a tunic. Um, same way I made everything else. The trim that's on that same thing, it was what they had left at the store, and I used it to make her, her dress. And you can see mine in the early stages of construction next to it, obviously. Uh, those forms that they're on, those are, uh, I find those at flea markets, I find them at thrift stores. Uh, you can see the tripod sticking out from under the one, there's actually a pipe running up through the other one, so. Um, stands like that are great. If you're trying to make a costume, if you're trying to get something to lay right, put it on there, and then you can mess with it all you want. The hard part for me is finding a, a form as large as I am, and uh, you know, you're trying to get something that goes from the length of my shoulder to the ground, it's like 64 inches or something ridiculous. Um, that necklace is just a fashion belt, that was a Goodwill find. Uh, so when you go to Goodwill, go look at jewelry, go look at the cases, go see what they got, because you're going to find pins, um, go look at the belts, you'll find belts, studded belts, all kinds of stuff. Um, 
In fact, I'll show you something on this one in just a minute here. Um, they're great for, for detail work. They're great for, you know, a little sparkle here and there, a little bling. If you need, you know, if you need like, oh, I need to put a strap on the back of something, I'll show you the back of this one too. Um, cut a belt in half and ribbed it on both ends. And then you've got the straps and belt with buckles and everything previously installed. So it's, it's pretty good. There's the layup on that one with the sash. There's the bling on the roll added to it. You can see there's no belt on it yet. There's a bit more going on it. Uh, this thing over here on the shoulder, that's an earring. Uh, these I found at Sass, the little skull deals, so I use those to make the, uh, the buttons, uh, the beads on the buckle. You can see the rivet down in the corner. Uh, this is vinyl tubing. Uh, it's just painted red, and then this gator skin vinyl stuff I absolutely love the hell out of. If you notice right in the front, there's a little hoop for the front detail. That's just a piece of vinyl that's glued on both ends. The, uh, the aluminum does not go all the way across. The reason for that is this opens from the back. I designed it to be able to put your arms in, it folds around you, you velcro up the back, you put on the sash, and you're in the costume. It's that quick. You don't have to mess with belts and buckles and all that kind of stuff. So that's something you kind of learn where you're going. Here's the uh, uh, spine guard. This is made out of Home Depot buckets. So I took a... Uh, nice. uh, Piece of paper, made a template for the individual spine guard, the piece. Now they're supposed to go from small to large, I just made them all the same size because I was going for a different look on the uniform. The thing that's kind of funny is it looks like that thing that hangs down on the back of pickup trucks that I like to hang up under there, and it's just one piece. <laughs> so you got a whole bunch of those down your back, so it's kind of funny. There it is from the back, it's got a piece, you see a piece of Velcro down it, and it's just got some vinyl. I pounded them in with rivets. Uh, put that piece of velcro down the back so when the suit goes on, it gets velcro from the back. There's another piece in the middle, slap the velcro on, and you got the spine guard on, so it's good to go. Quick and easy, that was what I was going for. And then you get to go shopping for fries. <laughs> and my wife was surprised, I did not tell her I was going to show up, and her, her dad was there, and I said, Here, bring the camera because this is going to be funny. He's like, Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Okay, so one thing you might also want to look into when you're doing this is 3D printing. Uh, this is, uh, I did build a 3D printer, it's a small one. Uh, it's a RepRap Perusa i3. Uh, I think I got a total for like 350 bucks and then about $100 shipping. Uh, DHL got it to me from China in three days. While that is impressive, if you get one from China that fast, open it outside. Because when you open it up, it smells like industrial Chinese city, and it will make your eyes burn for three days. <laughs> so, you know, when you get it, it was, it's all wrapped up in tape, it's all sealed up, it's got sealed up atmosphere, atmosphere in there, you open it up, it's like... It smells like everything died. <laughs> uh, but here it is coming out. It came in all packed up. It's all in these, you know... Um, you get a box of parts. There are no printed instructions. It's a box of parts. There are no printed instructions. This is what you get. Uh, and then there's a link to where you can download the video. So basically, it's kind of like an Ikea deal where everything is visual. So you're going to bring up the video, and you're going to watch the video about 300 times. And then you're going to have the video running, pause, 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 while you're building it. Um, at least they give you the, the stuff. So here's the video running. You can see it there. Here's all of the pieces laid out on the table. That's not even all of the pieces, that's just most of them. 
Uh, when it goes together, they've got linear bearings, you got some threaded rods, there's a whole bunch of fun stuff in there. Um, the video, surprisingly, is very good. It's actually very good, and I can say that because mine got built. <laughs> uh, but it does give you measurements, everything's in millimeters, so if you don't have a millimeter um, ruler, you're going to need one because they don't put it in inches, it's not accurate enough. And there it is going together, you can see the base coming together. It actually has little zip ties that hold things in place. It's kind of funny how that was. And then, yep, here we are. So that's a millimeter um, ruler right there that I was using to put, check my spacing. You gotta check your spacing to make sure it's square. And when you're building it, you want it on a flat surface so it's level. Uh, that way when it, you know, you're printing it, it doesn't warp. Which they do that all on their own. Here's the bed going in. This is just the basic plate. It was uh, lucite. And then you can see the stepper motor going in. That's what pulls the plate back and forth. That is the trolley that takes the front head, goes back and forth above the panel. Let's see. Yeah, you can see the uh, the actual print bed is over there in the corner. It's a silver thing. It's heated. You have to have a heated bed if you're going to do ABS, which is what I wanted. That's what it, goes, what it looks like when it goes together. The thing that's funny is when you get one of these, all of the connector pieces, all of the plastic parts, they're all 3D printed. So once you build a 3D printer, you can pretty much print yourself another 3D printer. <laughs> or at least enough parts that you can get some pieces and build another 3D printer. So there it is going together. Mine's just a standard XYZ machine. There's nothing fancy about it. The bed goes back and forth. Uh, the print head goes side to side. And then those two stepper motors on either side go up as it lays up the layers. And there's that coming in there. Uh, this is the Mendel up at the top there. Uh, it's got that large gear on there. It's a gear reduction, and what happens is that's where it feeds in the uh, filament. So the filament kind of looks like stuff you get from a uh, uh, weed eater. So if you've ever re-spooled a weed eater, it looks almost like that, the spool that you get with the ABS on. In fact, theoretically, you could probably stick one of those in here and print it. Here it is going together. So you see the V2 coming over the top, you can see the fans installed, the wires, all that kind of fun stuff. You've got a heating element down there. Uh, these things get extremely hot. The heating element will get up to about 300 degrees and then drop down to around 245 uh, before it starts printing. So it will get, don't get near the print head. <laughs> uh, the bed runs around 115 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, I'm not convinced that's hot enough because I've had some larger prints with a large footprint like on a, a badge for a judge they actually start to warp up a little bit on the edges. The good news is if you're printing with ABS, um, what you want to do is get like a little metal grate on the stand and a coffee can. And you want a metal coffee can, pour some acetone in it, put your badge on it. Don't put the badge in the acetone, but put it over the acetone. You can pour a little acetone over the badge and then cover the can and let it sit for a couple of hours. What happens is the acetone has a tendency, well it does, it, uh, um, will start to eat the ABS, so it'll cause it to warp. So what happens is if it warps up, it'll warp back down. The other thing it does is something called vapor smoothing. So all of the little tiny ridges from where it's the printing actually smooth out. So it's a real quick and easy way to kind of clean one up. So you can sand all the sand all the little nodules off from where the print stops. And then once you get it relatively smooth, sticking in the can with that, it'll get really smooth. Acetone is your friend. Unless you're trying to drink it, then it will kill you. <laughs> okay, this is the control board that's on the side. Mine has an Arduino control, and the power box goes on the other side over there. Um, one interesting
interesting thing about this one is it did have a wiring diagram in there. The problem is two of the plugs were upside down. So if you follow the, the trace that tells you the color number so you get it plugged in the right way, uh, the bed runs backwards and misses the stop. So you have to flip it around so it runs the right way. And then the side to side is also backwards. Um, so what happens is your mirror, your prints get mirrored. So anything with printing on it comes out as a mirror image instead of the straightforward image. So I had to flip both of those over. Fortunately, because I built the machine and followed the instructions and I knew where everything was because I'm the one who put it there, I was able to figure that out without tech support or anything like that. So there's a lot to be said for if you're going to get a 3D printer, buy a kit, build the kit, understand the kit. And once you buy, once you buy, build, and understand it, it's a whole lot easier if you ever do have a problem or you ever want to upgrade. You know what you're in, you know what you're in for. And it's really not that difficult. Almost together here. You can see that. And then going in there. Okay. I got one that had an LCD display. In fact, you can see where it's getting pretty close to what it looks like in the, on the computer screen back there because everything's on it. So, like I said, good enough instructions that was able to finish. So here's a batch print. Uh, this is the print that I made for, this is the very first batch that I did. It was a little bit small. Um, when you get programs together, there's something called a slicer program, uh, and then you get the 3D CAD program. Um, STL files are what you use if you can get them. Uh, there's, thing, there's Thingiverse. Uh, what else is there? There's a couple of them out there. Um, but if you just search 3D modeling sites, there's all kinds of sites out there where people have 3D models that they have made and they're just out there for free. So you can download them, you can print them, you can modify them if you have the program to do it. Uh, one, two, 3D design is one that I have. It's kind of like a CAD program. Um, so what happens is I found a badge blank and then I can go into where the badge blank is and put text on it and then make the text however big I want, canter it around so I can make badges however I want to make badges. Um, so that's what that is there. This is, this is the first thing I got printed after I figured out what the mirroring issue was, so it actually is correct, but it was a bit small. Uh, this is that weathering process, so this is a color wash, so I painted gold, I did the color wash in black, I did it real heavy in black, and then I came back with the rubber buff to bring it back up. Now you can see how much smaller it is because I had to scale the one next to it up. So when you're in the slicer program, you can click on the object and then scale. And to run a badge at the correct scale on my machine, it's like 1100%. So the badge would have printed out like you know, a little tiny action figure size, whereas when I scale it up, it actually prints out the correct, it's like eight millimeters by 10 millimeters, eight centimeters by 10 centimeters to actually fit in the badge hole. Um, the plates that are on my costume I ordered uh, they are pulled from the Judge Griffin costume, which you can find them on eBay. There's the guys in Atlanta who has them. Um, so that is a screenshot plate, so that is the correct size, so everything fits. Um, I did get rid of the small badge because what happened was uh, we'll be in the Fiesta Bowl this year and the judges will be walking and my daughter will be with us. So I ended up using foam like these guys were doing before us and I put it on uh, uh, motorbike armor. So I found kid-sized motorbike armor. Uh, made the panels and then put that badge on it. So now she's got her own, you know, mini-me judge, so she's pretty happy about that. <laughs> These are some Klingon emblems. So after I had made the Klingon costume, we got the printer up and running. Um, we've got, like, I think this is a, a Royal Marines, and then that's a 
badges, but those are campaign badges. So again, I got online with the, the Klingon Assault Group, which is CAG, one of those guys, they came out and said, oh, I got 3D models, all this stuff, you guys want them? Yeah. So <laughs> I've got all those. And there they are actually on the sash. So the thing about, uh, you know, a lot of the prop building, a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of guys who build the props, they don't custom make tons and tons and tons of stuff. They do custom make pieces, but a lot of fill-in pieces, they go thrift store shopping. So if you go stop and look, um, a lot of the stuff that you'll see on screenshot costumes, because I was just up in Vegas and I saw a bunch of the truck costumes, I'm like, and none of that stuff's custom made, it's just mass produced knickknack stuff. So, you know, this knob down here, uh, there's some earrings on there, there's a necklace piece, there's my predator head, which I found here last year actually, and then my marine badge, I was a marine, so, you know, I put some stuff on there that's of relevance to me when I make these things. So you'll see, if you if you go look at some of the details on my costumes, you'll see a couple, oh, why is that there, if you ask me to. Uh, here's the noisy cricket from Men in Black. That was actually the first thing I 3D printed. Um, it came out pretty good. And again, it, it prints out in two halves, and I glued it together with 527. To this day, it's absolutely fine. So I printed out a couple of those. Tom Badge, Dog Tags. Okay, Judge Dredd. Um, Casey uh, is one of the judges. He sculpted this molded it, and then I traded him a couple of big old honking Nerf guns for the helmet. So, that was fun. Uh, Nerf guns, I, I kind of have a thing for Nerf guns. I've had to really quell my tendency to buy them. Um, I just got rid of about 200 of them. And I still have a box of about 50 of them. But, uh, you know, I love to kit bash them. They're great for kit bashing. You can cut them up, you can pull pieces off of one, put them on another. Uh, you can add some split wound conduit to it, all that kind of stuff, and you can make them look like all kinds of things. So there's tons and tons of nerf running around down here. If you've tried it, it's worth doing it. And all those paint techniques, like I said, put down the base coats, you can color wash, do some scuffing. Um, I would recommend sanding the nerf off of it first. Um, but stuff, I mean, it's, it lends itself for really good prop making. In fact, there's a couple of shows, I can't remember the one, um, it was a show on sci-fi, unsurprisingly. They took Nerf guns, spray painted them black, handed them to their actors, and that's their screen use problem. Literally, that's all they did. Paint it black, here you go. Uh, again, this is some rubber buff, so you can see the bullet hit up there. I used a combination of hematite and silver to kind of get that. Uh, some scraping on the side, and again, just rub it right on there. It looks like a scuff, it works out really well. There's the other side of it. There's the back of it and the edges of it. So you can see how it looks like it's been scraped up and knocked around and it's just spread on there. There it is from the front. Uh, I lost my helmet badge. I'm like, damn it, because he molded the helmet badge, what am I gonna do? Oh wait, I have a 3D printer. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> so there it is. And then uh, the visor, uh, what I ended up doing was uh, we have a motorcycle shop up in Prescott and I went in there and I brought my helmet and I said, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. And the parts guy's like, well, I think we might have some obsolete visors I can sell you cheap. I said, all right, what do you got? And he had that and he gave it to me for five bucks. I said, so, so it's a legitimate polycarb visor. And then when I later, when I made my wife's costume, I went back, I said, hey, do you have any more of those? He's like, well, I might have, let me look. So he went looking through and he found two. And one of them was actually for his personal helmet. And then he had another one. He's like, well, if you don't want that one, I says, give me the other one, put that one on your hand. <laughs> uh, 
And the test screen is important because if it's you know not the right scale, you're going to look like a bubble. Okay, here's mine going together. Uh, again, the screenshot plates. I spent like 100 bucks on the plates. I spent like uh, 60 bucks on the vest. The neck roll up there I made myself. That's uh, denim corduroy. Uh, the belt came from uh, Walmart. So if you go to Walmart, you can find you know the uh, the, the double pin belts that have all of the ribbons and everything in them, and you have like 10 bucks, so they're pretty cheap. Uh, if you wear them a lot, they wear out really quick, but if it's on a costume that you wear two, three times a year, they're gonna last a while. There's all the parts laid out for that one. Yes, I, I found a cat trying to dig in the litter box. <laughs> oh, this was my Macho Man costume. So, in building some of this stuff, uh, I wanted to make Macho Man, Randy Savage, and uh, I don't think I have a whole picture of the costume, unfortunately. Uh, but what I was doing was I went and found a jacket that was about the right size, and then I faced it with material. The material that I found that I really like to make wrestling tights out of, it kind of looks like a, a, a unicorn had diarrhea. <laughs> and uh, I found that nice uh, sequin material for the top. What I did was I ended up uh, patterning and cutting out my pieces, and then I applied them onto the jacket uh, with a product called Fabri-Tac. So what you do with Fabri-Tac is you lay it down, it's kind of a, a, it's gooey and it sticks to your fingers but it peels off real easily when it dries and it just kind of set everything in. I made a tail coat out of it and I ended up having streamers running from the arms all the way down to my feet and I made a, uh, I sewed a pair of wrestling tights out of that same material. So it came out quite well. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what I did there. So it's got Sequin material that runs across the top shoulders, down front, and down the lapels, and then it's got it down the tops of the sleeves, and then the bottom of the sleeves and the rest of the jacket is that kind of material. Uh, and then I made a pair of tights out of the same material. More of that same technique. So um, if you were at Phoenix Comic Con a couple of years ago, there was a Predator wedding. That was mine. Um, and when I was making the, the stuff for the Predator bride and groom, I wanted a tailcoat, I couldn't find a tailcoat in my size, so I found a coat that was pretty close, and uh, I made a tailcoat out of it. So I had some extra wool, and I put tails on, and I had uh, a lot of that gator skin vinyl at the time, which I guess is where a lot of that was going to. Patterned it out in paper, so it would fit on the coat, so I knew what it would look like, and then came back and faced the coat with the vinyl using the fabric tag, and so I ended up making the bitch. You can see it folded over the shoulder there, and then the paper lining up on the other side, that's the front of the coat. The other picture was the back of the coat. That is the arms. So that's the top of the shoulders going down on the bicep. There's more of the template. That's what it looked like when it started getting applied to the tails. That's the arms. So there it is going together. I actually had a filler piece that went over the center there. There it is. <laughs> um, so that's how that kind of it's, it's a real easy technique to go to go in and kind of, you know, if you want to add something, embellish to something, find a base garment. Again, go drill half price day, find something that fits, um, and then modify from there. So it's a great way to shortcut, and again, do it cheap. I think I picked the coat up for like 4 or $5. Okay, these are Colonial Marine helmets. So you can see one that's done and one that isn't. These are actually the Kevlar style, which is a newer helmet, which isn't what they actually had in the older style buckets, um, but this is what I had available. So I got them, 
Uh, Home Depot buckets, that's what those plates, the, they call them the lobster plates that are on the back of the helmet, that's what those are made out of. Uh, then it's eighth inch craft foam used to make the raised details on there. And then the headset with the antenna is part of, uh, I think it's a Spy Kids toy. So they came with a pair of microphones, so they cut those up and make them ear flaps. On the other side were some cameras that I made out of, uh, it was a little red dot sight for the Nerf guns. So I cut those down. Yeah, you can pretty much see it from the side over there. And then it's just a question of paint and airbrush. Um, airbrushing is something that you're definitely going to want to do if you can get into it. It's not terribly expensive. Uh, Harbor Freight has a nice dual action airbrush. What a dual action is is when you push down, the air starts, and then as you pull back, it applies paint. And the more you pull back, the more paint it applies. So you can get in close and do really tight, fine lines, or you can get out, you know, larger and fill in large spaces. And it takes a little bit of practice, a little bit used to, but once you do, um, it, it's way better for getting stuff done. It always comes up much cleaner, much nicer. Um, you can do some of the techniques with rattle can, but you're definitely not going to find detail with it. And then there's what those look like together. So I used to live up in Walker, which is uh, just south of Prescott on top of the mountain. So occasionally the neighbors would come out and they would see this kind of stuff just walking up and down the street. <laughs> uh, this is made out of uh, dirt bike armor. And then there's some bits of Tupperware that are actually the front plates. The black portion that goes down the front, the padding, uh, that's actually uh, a catcher's guard uh, for baseball. And I just cut it down, hot glued the sides, and, and did black on it. Um, I used to be a heavyweight mechanic. I did that for years, so every time I had parts that failed, like air compressors, that kind of stuff, or uh, air conditioning compressors, I would gut the compressor and pull the parts out. So those cartridges that are down our chest, uh, that's actually the pistons out of an air conditioning compressor for a car. So. If you have access to stuff like that, it's, you know, tear it apart, see what's inside of it. Um, well, be careful what you tear it apart. Wear gloves, wear eye protection, and if you see anything that says Bendix or Hydro Boost, stay the hell away from it. You don't want to mess with it. Because uh, Hydro Boost Systems, it's got a little canister on top, and it's charged with about 2200 PSI, and if you unscrew it, it's a rocket. And you better hope it doesn't hit you. So, but yeah, when it comes to parts, that's easy. Um, over the shoulder, the back, you see the shotguns. Both of them, both suits had one that was just. Uh, I ended up taking a shopping bag because uh, it was a nice nylon material. Laid the shotgun down, traced it, folded it over, ran the seam, stuck it on, and there it is. The shotguns are actually airsoft. Um, I actually paid ten bucks for those, which is more than I ever paid for anything. But I had to have something specific for those. So that's what I have in there. Naps are important. <laughs> okay, so like I was saying about the color wash, you can see paint cap with water and spraying paint onto the top of the water, pouring it onto the gun, and the more, you can do it more than once, so if you need more weathering, fill it up, do it again, if you want less weathering, pour it kind of fast and keep it moving. That's, you know, kind of what it looks like while you're in the process. So after you're done, it looks like this, it just looks like a buddy mess. Stick it under the faucet, uh, hose off all the excess, and that's what you end up with right there. So nice and weathered, looks like it's been dropped in the mud, beat up, dragged around. Uh, again, Mavericks, you can do all kinds of stuff with them. This is uh, this is what my wife did. You can see a piece of a transformer on the back there um, that bit around the barrel. Uh, I think that's a dollhouse table base. Uh, you got a piece of PVC uh, and then just a uh, connector on the end for the uh, flash lighter. 
Yeah, I'm good. Okay, so doing the predator stuff. So Gatling gun. Um, one of the things I did when uh, I made a couple of Gatling guns for uh, um, Blaine's character from uh, Predator, and you know you're not going to find a whole lot out there unless you're spending a ton of money on it. You don't turn up at the thrift stores. So uh, I ended up getting some BBC pipe, and this was more of a stylized version that I made as opposed to the one that was a lot closer to his because um, I've done about four of them now. Um, what do I have there? Six lengths of pipe. They're all equal. Uh, that is actually a uh, peanut butter filled pretzel container. And then you got a uh, gasket from an air conditioning compressor on the back, and you've got an anti squeal shim from a brake pad on the top. Same on the side. And yeah, you can kind of see where everything's just attached in there. I used 52700. There's the container, so you need a container and a couple of extra lids. And what you're going to do is you're going to mark one lid with six even spaced holes, cut it out, and use that to mark the next two so everything lines up. There they are all cut out. You put your first one on, put all your pipes in, there's your second one, there's your third one, and there's your base and barrel assembly for a gallon. Doesn't spin, doesn't do anything, it's a static prop, but if you're taking still photographs, it doesn't need to move. And then there it is with everything going attached to the side. And then I added some split loom to the top so it had like a connection which goes into the first one there and then sticks up on the top. You kind of cut it at an angle and glue it down. Um, you'll want to use something pretty stout to glue it down. 527 usually works pretty good. But you can put 527 all over it and then put hot glue on the outside to make sure it doesn't move while the other stuff sets up, which is what I did. You can also use the hot glue to kind of fill in the gaps and, and smooth out the edges. So here it is after a coat of paint and a color wash. And when I did this one, I actually put tape over um, the metal bits because I didn't want them to be painted. I wanted to still be able to see inside because uh, what I ended up doing, I ended up using a uh, PVC to make a handle, front handle for it. Um, I put lights in. So I got a little LED lighting kit. Uh, you get Christmas lights at uh, like Big Lots or whatever. And they come with a little, you know, flip switch, and they sell them in different colors. So I just took the uh, blue lights, stuffed them all in there, so it actually lights up. So I got to light up Gatling gun. It's pretty fun, actually. And I think this thing probably cost me. I think the most expensive part was probably the lights. Those ran me like six bucks. I think the gun there probably ran me ninety-nine cents. I ate the pretzels. <laughs> um, so that was just garbage that was going to get thrown out anyway. Um, and then the PVC pipe was probably another five or six bucks. I probably have about 20 bucks in that gun. And it's yay big and lights up. <laughs> to me, that's cheap. Uh, these I made for a friend. She was doing a character from uh, League of Legends. So she found these two uh, uh, flintlocks at, uh, what was it, Party City? And then gave me a couple of boo boos out of There you go. A couple of blunderbusses. Okay, um, Predator stuff, uh, these are the uh, Homer buckets that I used to make the waste armor. Uh, when you make hard armor, it's nice to have it articulated so it moves. Uh, the first set that I made, they were all glued together, so the plates were all hard. 
which is fine if you're standing in one position, but if you start to move or crouch to pose, they stick out at weird angles, they don't work very well. Drill some holes in them, take some zip ties, link them up, and then they move with you and they, act, they look a lot better. You can pose, you can move in them, they don't have a tendency to stab you if you turn, but sometimes they will do that. Uh, again, you can see the 8-inch craft foam on there. Um, it's got hot glue, it's uh, put down with contacts in that, and it's got hot glue around the edges to steal the edges. And then uh, with your foam, you want to coat it with something. On these, I just coated it with uh, Elmer's light glue. And then it takes the paint real well. Also, if you're using Homer buckets, make sure you get like one of those uh, green 3M scrubbies. Scuff it up really good. You want to knock the uh, decals off. You want to get uh, some, some uh, texture on the surface. That way the paint will hold. <clears throat> Otherwise, they have a tendency to chip. I can show you the back sides of mine and they have chipped. Hands. <coughs> so this is my, uh, these are the hands on my, uh, my black and green predator. Uh, I found monster fingers and a set of uh, mechanics work gloves. And I like the mechanics work gloves because they stop at the wrist. So you get just a hand so you can move around. You don't have to worry about cuffs or anything like that. Um, trying to tuck them in. The fingers, if you will note, they're rubber and they're cut in a full arc radius. Uh, the reason for that is when it comes to engineering, any place there's a 90 degree angle that has repeated stress put on it, it causes a pressure point and tends to tear. So if you're going to cut rubber, you're going to cut anything like that to put it in, it's on fingers that are constantly moving, cut a solid radius all the way around. Don't put any edge on it, no corners. Um, you can see where I had to kind of put relief along the sides of them around the backs of them. See, these aren't quite cut yet to match. So, but there's no 90 degree angles anywhere on there. Um, they haven't torn to this day. They still work great. The fingers I put on, 527, put them on the fingers and put them on. And of course, it kind of leaks through a little bit. Um, and then later, I went back with latex and uh, latexed all the fingers and the gloves together to kind of hide the printing that was on there and tie it all in. So. And then airbrush. So there they are all together. I guess I was using goop on these, which is pretty much the same stuff. This is a test fit on my wife's armor. Um, you can see I have football pads up there. If you're going to use football pads, um, get rid of the padding. Now, Wes had padding on his because his was football armor. Um, if you're doing armor for something else, you're trying to shortcut it, get rid of the get rid of this stuff. It looks, it looks bad if you've got a whole costume together with it. You're also going to want to face it with something so it doesn't look like football armor. Um, so if you, if I've got any pictures of the other predator, you'll notice it's got a whole bunch of different plates on the front. It's got the shoulder bells that are on here. They're all articulated. Um, and everything is done in a way so you don't see the armor underneath, which all it is is just a foundation to hold everything. There it is from the front. She loves the pose. <laughs> uh, her forearms, those are shin guards. And then her legs, those are catcher's guards. And we're back to the end. So. <laughs> so that's kind of how that works. So what I'm wearing now. So this is my Wes costume from Road Warrior. So He's pretty easy. The nice thing about Wes is that when they were doing that is they just got a lot of leather fetish gear and they got a lot of extra football pads and a whole bunch of black spray paint um, to do the costuming on that movie. So it's like the, the greatest movie ever when it comes to building a cheap costume. 
Um, I think his wrist crossbow was probably the most complicated piece of co uh, costuming in there. And, uh, and this isn't even accurate to what he's got. So what I ended up doing was his original costume was leather pants with no ass and a rag, so he had kind of a tail. Um, my wife wouldn't let me run around with no ass on my pants, so <laughs> I have one. <laughs> Uh, his upper body here was actually carpet underlings. Um, I didn't. I got a, a side of pigskin, really cheap. It was on special Tandy leather, so I paid like twenty bucks for the pigskin. Paid about paid about probably uh, forty bucks for the pants. It is real leather. Um, the catcher's guards again, Goodwill find those are probably. I, don't know, I think I would pay like five or six bucks for those. Um, this is pigskin, and I just basically. Uh, took screen grabs from the movie to look at what it was. So this is actually almost identical to what he had in the movie. It's got the fold over uh, with the top, so he's got the, the crossbow bolts. These are knitting needles. So I actually got some wrist, little crossbow bolts and some number 11 knitting needles, cut the back off the needles, glued the bolt in, and now I've got the nice, looks like what he got shot in the arm with right in the very beginning. Uh, put it together. Uh, again with the pigskin, these are belts, these are fashion belts, I found these at Goodwill. Um, the belt was not big enough for me, so it's a different belt over here. All of their costumes were very homemade, so I wasn't too worried about making it uniform. Again, this is a fashion belt around my midsection. Uh, this just got the leather riveted underneath. And you can see in the back, there's belts on the bottom, belts on the top, and you can see the other belt up here. Uh, these were just some kid-sized belts. Uh, these. And what I ended up doing was cutting the belt in half and then putting the opposite halves on the other sides, each side of the material, so that the buckle's in the middle. So what happens is that's how you get your strapping, because if you look at his, in the movie, the back has, you know, it's X-crossed and it's got the buckles in the middle, and that's how they did that, so same thing. Uh, football pads, paint them black, take off one of the shoulders, because he only had the one silver shoulder guard. Uh, turkey feathers, uh, got those from China. They did not smell when I opened the package. <laughs> uh, the gloves I found in Jerome at a scooter store. I paid six bucks for those. Uh, these are actually the lower part of the shin guard. He's got these little flaps. That's what the giveaway was. And these are actually mismatched. So I got them for about three bucks. This is a Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter crossbow that I took the crossbow off, cut it down so it was the right size. A couple of bolts holding it in. And then this is just. Uh, leather strapping is all it is. Kind of completes the look. Took me about four months to grow the hair out. I don't know if it's going to survive past this weekend. We'll see. <laughs> and that's really about all there is to it. So, questions? Hello, Tucson Comic Con. All <laughs> you wonderful people are probably wondering. Perfect thanks. Snap, are there still panels happening? Why, yes, there are. There are still panels happening in the panel rooms just outside the vendor hall. And if you're not there, why aren't you there? I love you all. Okay, any other questions? <laughs> yes. What was your favorite build? My favorite build? Oh, jeez. Probably this one, Kurt. But if you ask me that question the next time you see me, it'll probably be whatever I just built. <laughs> the others? What was your most complicated build? Further, my first one. It took me a year to put that one together. I've gotten it down now to where if I have all the parts, I can do it in about a month, month and a half. 
That's crazy. All right, if you want to come up and look, get a closer look, that's cool. Otherwise, the Predator booth is down on the mezzanine level is where I'll be. So find me, bother me, I'll talk to you. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're Hey guys, Jim here at Creative Play and Podcast Network. I'm just here at Tucson Comic Con enjoying a fantastic weekend of lots of Comic Con stuff. And I just wanted to share a few folks that I've met at the con that are really great people. I've got T.L. Smith here, and she's one of the authors that we like, and we're going to be picking up a book for the day. And I just want to let her tell you about her books. Hi, this is T.L. Smith, and I write military sci-fi, and mostly from the female perspective. And I write near future as well as far future. My current latest release is Native American Mythology Collides with Science Fiction in the Yuma Territory. I'm down here at the Tucson Comic Con. This is my second year and had a really great time. So we're looking forward to coming again next year and bringing more for our friends. So for a first-time person reading one of your works of art, what's the best book to start with? We always say all of our books are the best ones. Um, I, I take people towards my most recent one, uh, which is the Star People Legacy. And uh, then I jump into my far future, which is Defending Hippotigris, and we go on from there. Do, do you have a Facebook or any online sites that folks can go to find you online? Uh, yes, I'm on Facebook under Terry with a Y, L. Smith, and as well as T.L. Smith Author. Just got to watch out you don't get the one in Australia, because she writes... Other stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's not sci-fi. <laughs> not from what I've heard. Is there any newer books you can I have three books that are currently being shopped with the New York market, and I have about three more that I'm working on that are either in final edits. Medium edits, first edits, but so all in, the process. all in a process because it never stops. <laughs> as long as the ideas keep coming and they get on the paper, that's awesome. I have a thing I call the pot, and every time I finish one project, I go stir the pot and see what floats to the top, and you know, and that's what gets to be worked on that at that point. That's awesome. Sometimes they're a novella, and sometimes they're a series. So it's always good when. Sometimes you don't know that they're going to evolve to a series until other people go, oh, this looks like a series. And then you have to sit back and go, well, maybe I won't kill them after all. <laughs> and that's what editors are good for. That's right. So that is one. My no I have a novelette that is being turned into a series. And it's like, so I have to rewrite part of it because can't have it end. Ending rewrite. You know. Ending rewrite. You know, got to carry it on. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so much. It's dead. It's always fun. So I'm seeing a plethora of your books. Yes, I, ha I have a plethora. Do you know how many is in a plethora? Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm paranoid. I'm checking to make sure it's recording. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm Ginny Koch. Is it recording? I'm Ginny Koch. I write the Alien Catherine Kitty Cat series for Daw Books. I also write the Alexander Outland series, the Martian Alliance Chronicle series, Necropolis Enforcement Files series, and more. I write a lot. I don't sleep much, but I write a lot. So. But the writing makes the voices get quieter. Yes, yes. The writing makes me much more sane, which for those who have met me, that's still not sane enough, but close. Closer, closer. Thank you. Thank you. I like you. (laughs) There there are a lot to choose from. There are. I would recommend if someone has not read anything from me before, they should start with Touched by an Alien, which is the first novel in my Alien series. Uh, It... uh, Right now, book 11 is out currently. That's Alien Separation. And Alien in Chief, which is book 12, comes out December 1st. Fantastic. Yes. But in Touch by an Alien, my heroine, Kitty Cat, yes, her parents have a sense of humor, um, discovers that the Roswell rumors are true, but with a twist. The aliens are here to help us, and as a side benefit, they're all gorgeous. And uh, the women, who she nicknames the Dazzlers, want our smart men. They're sapiosexual. They only care about brains. So to them, the hottest guy on the planet is Stephen Hawking. He's so dreamy. (laughs) Okay. And then the men, who are tired of their women acting like they're idiots, (laughs) really want our smart, gutsy women. And Kitty gets involved in the fight to protect the planet. And she ends up saving the day with her knowledge of comics, hairspray, and rock and roll. That's a freaking awesome combination of skills. <laughs> thank you, thank you. She is she is a total accidental badass. Yeah. What dare I ask? What is her favorite comic book character? Her favorite comic book character is Wolverine. She also loves Deadpool, and uh, she 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 ha- she loves the comics. So she assigns people nicknames based on the comics, especially as the series goes along. Um, and but in book four, I can't tell you what happens, but when you get to book four, which is Alien Proliferation, you'll understand why Wolverine's her favorite. So uh, it's a lot of fun. She that, has nicknames awesome. for everybody. And in fact, in uh, Alien vs. Alien, uh, we were kind of in a War of the World situation, and someone very important has disappeared, and he's left protocols. And they're based on Kitty, and it's all who does she assign, what names does she assign to different people that are comic book characters. Who's Captain America, who's the Hulk, and so on and so forth. So. A great crypto. You know, yes, it's a great crypto. because she she's, can get it. Because she's the, she's the key. So yes, it's like, it's like you got to think you're right, and then you're right. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a very fun series. So can I get a copy of Touched by an Alien? You absolutely can. For Kelly. For Kelly, absolutely. I. Absolutely, and but before you're done making purchases, uh-huh. I want to tell you a little bit about Alexander Outland. Oh. Alexander Outland is a space pirate. All he really wants to do is steal enough and let everybody keep going, and he keeps getting forced into heroics, which he hates because they don't pay. So it's a very fun, fun series um, as well. And um, just FYI, I have a ton of male fans as well as female fans. All of them love touched. More men, this is like the guy's book for whatever reason. Guys loved um, Alexander Allen. Can I get a copy of that signed to Sandy? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then does anybody read Paranormal? (laughs) I'm rolling now. (laughs) He's like getting copies. I'm just going to read every single solitary book. In um, The Night Beat, um, basically my tagline, it's time to kick icky butt and take unpronounceable names. Uh, my heroine is Victoria Wolf. She's an undercover police officer, and she's also an undercover werewolf. 
Uh, she works both for Prosaic City PD and she also works for Necropolis Enforcement, keeping all the people on the human plane from not finding out what's on the undead plane. Can I get a copy of that to Jim? You can. You can. <laughs> wow. Rolling, rolling, rolling. The Happy Acres Haunted Hotel for Active Seniors. <laughs> Really, I need to say no more, right? That's, that's a great title, is it not? It's a very fun novelette, um, and uh, basically it's a senior home in Southern California that is used to be a hospital. It's absolutely haunted, and my, my heroine, who is in there after her, after her third marriage, after her third husband has died, she buried all three, um, she's there and she helps run things and take care of the new residents as they come in and help save the day on uh, the newest resident and his granddaughter, who has gotten herself into a spot. <laughs> so this is a very fun one. Everybody pretty much laughs. I, I wrote this as, I wrote this, actually, I wrote this as a standalone. I've never planned to do anything else. And I get fan requests constantly, when's oh, the next wow. Mandy story? So I like that. So I will, I will be kind to you. <laughs> In addition, I have a humor collection, um, Random Musings from the Funny Girl, I'm in 221 Baker Street's anthologies. Uh, let's see, Temporally Out of Order, Clockwork Universe, Steampunk versus Aliens, UFO, Unidentified Funny Objects 3 and 4, Kaiju Rising, Age of Monsters, and... So that was the one that caught my attention. Yeah, earlier. this is a really cool, this is a really cool Kaiju collection. This was put together by Ragnarok Publishers, and I'm in here as J.C. Koch, and it's just really cool. It's won, won some awards. It was um, Audible, bought it for an audiobook almost right away. Um, and I'm really proud because my story got selected to go into the Mammoth Book of Kaiju that oh, comes wow. out next year. So very excited about that one, too. Basically, all my stuff is awesome. Yes. Everything is awesome. Everything is great. cool when you're part of a team. That's right. <laughs> Everything is awesome. That's right. So just these three? Yeah, just those three. Okay, you get a free pen or a free book phone. Which would you like? Though? Mom collects bookmarks. So that would be one of the book phones. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, cash or cash or card? Absolutely. Okay. And online, where can folks find you? My website is www.jennycoch.com. That's G I N I K O C H.com. Uh, you can find the Alien series in pretty much every bookstore around the English-speaking world, or the English-reading world, even. Uh, and uh, most of the other books are in bookstores or certainly available through Amazon. So, And all the, everything I write is available online, so you can find it everywhere. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh say that one again for a sound check. Me, 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 me. That was like quite nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.